I know. I mean, I know. I know you're tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. We all are. Trust me. It's all anyone has said over the past, like, week to two weeks. Yet, we need to talk about it this one time. Just just this one time. CES 2019 interviews. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is Reset. It can be found at reset.fm. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries. Mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and technology in general. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that has been sitting on my desk for years. It reminds me to be adventurous and have fun. Because there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Reset Podcast. You are back. I am back. I am back from Vegas. If you can hear my voice, it's normal. I did not come... Oh, man. Knock on some wood. I did not come home with the CES funk, the flu... You know, the stuff coming out of both ends. Okay, that's enough of that. But you know what I'm talking about. I literally bathe in hand gel. At the end of the day, I will hand gel my phone case and put it aside and get a new phone case. I just, it's its the birthplace of the flu, people. I'm, I'm serious. CES is the birthplace of every nasty virus and disease known to humankind it is just that many people trading germs and handshakes and then eating and then touching gear and then touching your phone and then putting your hands in your pocket there's no way that you can't come out of there with some kind of infliction but luckily (laughs) and people aren't going to like to hear this luckily I brought germs with me to Las Vegas. I did. I was kind of under the weather just a little bit, but I was sucking down those zinc tablets and vitamin C like there is no tomorrow. But I swear to God, I was snotting a little bit when I first got there. So sorry about that, everyone I came across with. I hope uh, I hope uh, those DMZ guys aren't sick. They're, if, if they're listening, they're going to be they're going to be mad at me. I think I told him it was allergies. <laughs> That's what you do. You say, oh man, you know, something's something's got me. It's, it must be allergies. And it very well could have been. I don't know. I might be allergic to Las Vegas. But hey, I've got some cool stuff waiting for you. I don't just roll up to abcbooth.com and just throw the recorder in their face. You know, I pick out, if I'm going to do interviews, I'm going to pick out stuff that I personally have an interest in. And I've done that. And I only have three for you. Three very short interviews. And I think you're going to find some cool stuff out of all three. Now, Ring, ring ring.com. I like talking with those guys because they always have a lot of new products. This year's CES was weird in the fact that, you know, they wasn't even really new. And this is my example here. Everybody talked about stuff that they talked about last year. It was weird. It was... um. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, you know how they do TikTok cycle and stuff? Well, this is like a cycle. It's like we talked about all the crap that we talked about last year. So next year is probably going to be pretty good. But um, 
ring.com. I, I just enjoy talking with them. I like their products. Yeah, I know that they had this little scandal about listening to stuff. And man, I don't, they're watching my side door cam. Who cares? You're going to see my dog take a dump. Just watch away if you want to. That's all you're going to see. Now, I don't want local people looking at this, but you know what I mean. I they they shouldn't get they shouldn't get away scot free. I'm not happy about it, but it doesn't like make me angry. Like, oh my god, I'm going to start a smear smear a smear campaign against Ring because they had a little issue, you know, with their security of their video files. Wow, you you know you haven't heard about that? Just just look it up. Just actually search Ring in the news and you'll find it. So after Ring, I'm talking with QNAP. Now, I'm not just talking boring old NASes. We're talking about 10 gig. We're talking about direct attached storage and some portable storage and some amazing pricing on their direct attach. Amazing pricing. And then I I cruised over to WISE. W-Y-Z-E. Yeah, that's right. You probably know them how they... They made those little cute little wise cams that were like 20 bucks. I think they're still the rage at $20. These guys, these guys are really cool. They had the worst booth, worst, worst booth ever. And it was at the very back of the hall. We're talking about the Sands Convention. It was at the very back. They must have rolled up on January 5th and said, we need a booth. And CES said, yeah, we got one left. And they couldn't have been any cooler. These guys were so cool. They enjoyed talking about their products. And that's something I really like about CES. When you roll up on someone's booth and start asking stupid questions on day three, and they can still muster up that excitement about their products. They've been talking about this stuff for days. But these guys were really cool. And I, re- I really enjoyed talking with them. I actually talked with them much longer than this interview will um, will show you. But you need to listen to this. Because it has cameras. It has storage. I mean, I'm talking hard drive storage from these camera guys. This is going to be cool. I think you're really going to like this thing that we're going to talk about here. And also, I've got a question for them that I got an answer I wasn't expecting. That doesn't happen often uh, for me at CES because usually I know a lot of things going in, right? Or I've already seen the news. But I asked them about people creating firmware for their camera to change the way it acts, right, and connects. I asked them about that, and I got a different answer. I think you're going to want to hear that. Now, I'm going to try not to say the word CES beyond this episode. I've tried to do that in my past years. We used to go on and do CES episodes for like a month, and I'm going to try not to say it a lot, but I will be covering gear, right? That's what we do. So the next episodes, yeah, we're going to cover some gear that we talked about. And I may I may mention it here and there. So, but yes, I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm home. I'm doing cool. And I have moved on. Things, the world moves on after CES, much to the chagrin of, uh, of some folks. But 
I've got some cool videos. I got a couple more to come too. I've got my, I don't know what you call it, swag. And as I talk, I'm sitting here looking at it. It's stacked up in the floor in bags because I literally have not gotten into it. And my kids are dying to dig into my swag bags. But I got to film it first because that's kind of my thing. It doesn't get a lot of views, but I show you all the crap that I came home from CES with. All the stuff I was given, the little doohickeys, and I've got some review units sitting over here that we need to talk about. I got some gear. I mean, I got actual gear sitting over here that I drug home with me from CES and had a good time. I stayed way too long. I go I go on Sunday. The CES starts on what? Wednesday? Tuesday. It starts on Tuesday. I think I, I can't even remember now. I'm so, I have the cloud. You know, it's it's behind me. I go early and I stay at Mandalay Bay. And I, I'm like staying like a king, right? It's great. I love Mandalay. And uh, great views. And it's right there where I need to be because all the press stuff is at Mandalay's Convention Center. But then on Monday, Monday night, the prices skyrocket. I literally cannot stay on the strip. I cannot pay the prices. So I go off strip. I have a car. I do that off strip thing. I drive in. I park nearby. I have secret routes to get as close as possible. I park at and go into Venetian Sands on the first day. Never go to LVCC, the Las Vegas Convention Center, on the first day. No. Never. You go to the sands. You cover that. So I covered that the first day. Then I went to LVCC the next day and had um, uh, a meeting there with Netgear, kind of off-site. So I walked to that and then ended up walking back to my car and then back to the sands on the next day. And then kind of goofed around Vegas for a couple of days over the weekend, uh, stayed at the Park MGM, ate all the good food at that place, and then came home. I did, I did, I screwed up. I mean, I don't know when it happened, but it happened. I lost my driver's license. Have you ever lost your driver's license? It it can be stressful, right? But have you ever lost your driver's license when you're traveling and you need that thing to get on the airplane in which is going to take you home. That's a million miles away. Add the government shutdown to the mix where TSA is no doubt stressed and shorthanded. It, I was just, I was stressed, right? I was completely stressed out by this. So I did a little digging and I read that TSA is kind of cool about it. And if you lose your ID, people, people lose their ID, right? Especially in Vegas. And you can get, if you have other forms of identification that have photos on it, you can get through and they can verify your uh, identity, which is the case. I had, I mean, I had my DD-214, I've got credit cards yeah, I travel with a DD-214. Hey, ex-military veteran, you never know when you're going to need that, right? You never know when the discount may 
present itself so you have it. I wish I had my passport. I would have never had this story. So I went up to TSA and I presented all my information, said I have a lost ID. They made me get out of the pre-check line because I am a TSA pre-check and get back into the regular line. So that took extra time. Had to go through the dog, get sniffed, and then throw my stuff down embarrassingly and say, I have a lost ID. They're like, that's cool. Come over here with me. I'm like, oh, God, I am in trouble. And so after the first body cavity search, you know, I kind of got used to it and uh, I, I got through. No, they didn't They didn't do that. But they did tear my, um, I mean, they tore my backpack apart. They tore everything apart. I did have to do the um, the search that is, it's a pat down, right? But it's like more than a pat down. You know, y- your business kind of gets interrupted it's it's a pat down really it it's one heck of a pat down it's, you know a lot of people pay for those kind of things but i made it through i i, I didn't have any uh what i don't know what do you call it stuff or anything i was hiding i just lost my id right so it was cool you know i got to throw it out there to tsa they were really cool about it they never they never looked at me with angst like oh you stupid freaking traveler uh, you dumb geek, you lost your ID at the bars or the strip clubs in Vegas. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. I have no clue what I did with my license. I literally probably dropped it in a parking lot or something. And I called around, can't find it, can't find it. So got home, got a replacement license. I'm good to go. Hey, Dave, shut up and get to the interviews. All right, let's start out with Ring. We'll go to QNAP. And then we'll go to Wise, and we'll meet right back here. Let's go. I'm here with Savannah at the Ring booth, and we're going to talk about some of the new additions to the Ring Alarm. I know some of these were announced last year, but can you tell me exactly what's come out? Yeah, so we actually have the smoke and CO listener and flood and freeze sensor available today um, and the panic button coming out later. Um, The smoke and CO listener basically listens for the alert on your existing smoke and CO detector. Um, And we also partner with First Alert. So if you have both of those, the listener will send a notification to your phone when it goes off. Whereas the flood and freeze sensor looks for uh, water leaks, water damage. Um, I believe it's below 40 degrees or so is when it starts alerting you. Um, And then, uh, yeah, and we also started partnering with a few smart lock manufacturers. So at this point in time, now you can get a Schlage smart lock, uh, Yale, Quickset, August, and Dana lock are also some of our partners. Um, and the idea there is if you unlock your door, it will disarm your alarm and vice versa. Okay, so all the Z-Wave flavor locks. Yes, they're all Z-Wave. <laughs> they all run on Z-Wave, yeah. All right. The panic button I'm interested in, is that something you can put just about anywhere you would like? Yeah, so it's designed to be able to take with you or mount um, you... Basically, it's if you don't have the time to wait for dispatch to call you and then confirm, you can just press this button and a dispatch will be immediately sent out. Okay, so that's on dispatch. What if you're kind of rolling your own ring alarm? Would that just maybe set off the alarm? or? Yeah, do you mean by self-monitoring yeah. without paying for professional monitoring? Yeah. Yeah, um, I believe that would just set off the alarm then no dispatch would be sent out without professional monitoring. Which we really don't recommend. Not that expensive, right? Yeah, yeah. Our professional monitoring is only 10 bucks a month or $100 a year. So it's pretty affordable. Um, we're really, really excited about that. We're really hoping it expands home security to 
everybody. So it's, it is so affordable. And we know everybody's using that with their cameras already. Yeah, we're hoping so. Um, yeah, we're actually integrating with the cameras too. So if you can set, so if your alarm goes off, um, a certain camera can trigger to start recording. So that's a really exciting feature as well. Okay, now I'll go back to roll your own because a lot of my listeners do kind of do the roll your own. And, you know, a lot of us already have Z-Wave sensors in the house. And can we add that to this system? Yeah, so you can add third-party sensors to the system, but they won't, uh, if they're not ring certified, they're not going to dispatch any police or anything. Yeah, like emergency services. So Yeah, yeah. Would, would we still be able to subscribe to the service, but that sensor itself would just not trip the emergency right yeah yeah so for example you can add on an extra third party sensor to tell you hey the store is open but it may not send alerts to your phone and it also may not dispatch any any emergency services okay now something we saw uh, a little bit last year was the beams i don't know if that was an acquisition or a partner yeah, so Ring acquired Mr. Beams, and we worked with them to create this new Ring Smart Lighting line. So last year at CES, you might have heard the announcement of Ring Beams. So this is the same. It's Ring Smart Lighting, and it's available for pre-order and shipping on March 6th. So, and I assume that this is all integrated into the Ring system and the app, and maybe my cameras I already have? Yes, yeah. So it'll send notifications to your phone. There's a variety of different lighting options. Um and there's also a smart transformer. And so the smart transformer um, would change your existing landscape lighting into smart lighting, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool because I, I have a lot of that. So if, um, you know, I kind of run that at night, but I could also use the motion sensors that Mr. Beams has too, right? Yeah, so you can just place these small motion sensors um, all over your backyard or wherever you want lighting. And these motion sensors can be set to trigger certain lights in your backyard. Awesome. And you also are selling path lights in case someone doesn't already have any lighting? Yes, path lights are good um, for your entryway. We've seen that before, and it's great because then you can have them other lights trigger by them, etc. So it could be really cool. Now, are they also adding any kind of lights that are similar to the, what Ring has today, like floodlights? Yeah, yeah. There's two floodlight options, actually. There's a battery-powered option and a wired option. There's also a spotlight. So we do already have these spotlight cam and floodlight cam. Um, these are just lights without the camera. Okay. And do these show up in my dashboard? My, you know, because we have the new little dashboard that shows the icons. Yeah, yeah. So these would actually yeah, all show up in your app. They do integrate with your cameras as well. So you can say, hey, if this light over here goes off, I want this camera to start recording and vice versa. So you can um, set your triggers. It's really cool. Group lights, all those things. That is nice. And how about, say I have a doorbell that senses motion. Could I turn on a light at the motion so people could see where they're walking? Maybe. I'm not sure about that, actually. I know at least in one one direction it works, so the light trigger to set for camera recording, but um, I can double check on that for you. You know, I get that question the most from people that approach my house because they say they can't see my Schlage keypad, and, you know, you have to hit a button before it lights up. So maybe if I could sense some motion, turn a light on, people can actually use the keypad. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me double check on that, actually. I'm going to try it. Yeah, okay. Cool. Okay. 
So speaking of that doorbell scenario, there's also a new doorbell you guys have. Yes, the DoorView Cam. So that's Ring's first doorbell that installs over your existing peephole. So it's great for apartments, renters, people who can't make permanent modifications to the home. And all you have to do is unscrew the existing glass door viewer, pop that out, pop in the DoorView Cam, and then you have home security. All right, and add that to the app. And it's got... Does it have a screen on the other side, or is it just a battery pack or something? No, yeah, the back side is just where the battery pack lives inside your home. You can look through the existing glass peephole, actually, from the inside as well. But on the outside is where the motion sensing camera and the doorbell button are. Awesome. So we answer with our app or maybe with our Echo Show. Yep, exactly. <laughs> all right. Thank you. So if I want to buy all this new stuff, when can I get my hands on it? Yeah, so it's for pre-order right now, and then it's shipping on March 6th from ring.com and amazon.com. Awesome. I'm here talking 10 gig with QNAP, and I got James talking to me about this ginormous PoE switch. James, what is this? Hey, this, I'm James with QNAP. So this is our newest product here at CES. It's called QGD, QGD1600P. So we have 16 port as a PoE switch. At the same side is a managed switch as well. So we actually have our own management application on top of our existing QTS, if you guys are familiar with that. Uh, at the same time, the system also runs our QTS, so you can run our surveillance station built into it. Uh, so POE allow us to directly connect uh, POE cameras. So when customers want to have a security type of integration, it's actually an all-in-one device. So you don't need to buy a separate piece of a POE switch and a, P- and a video management server. Uh, the system is all-in-one. It's a video management server, it's a POE switch, uh, all combined in one. So this is a, the CPU on this is Intel Ceron. We have a four gig and eight gig selection. And we also have some of our 10 gig uh, cards that's also relatively new here at CES. Uh, so we have a more slimmer design uh, on the 10 gig. It's our Q, QXG 10G 2T NXE. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of words, but but it's a it's a 10 gig two port, and that is uh, that's your typical uh, wired cable. Correct. So you have a you could have an option of the SAP Plus connection, also the T base, where it's take the regular RJ45 kind of table. So I guess if we're going to go keep clean we'll, we'll use the we'll use the ports but otherwise uh can i use my existing wiring with some of these 10g cards uh yeah you could use the, some of the wiring just gotta make sure it's cast six cables if you're running cast six cables uh those are support 10 gigs uh, on the t-base and for the mac users who does especially with mac with laptops that does not have 10 gig connection we also have a thunderbolt to 10 gig connection now as well so mac users could utilize this to get onto the 10 gig network and your 10 gig cards are fairly affordable. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I believe it's relatively inexpensive compared with others in the market. Right, and we can put those in a regular Windows machine. We don't have to put them in your QNAP NAS, but we can, right? Yeah, you could do either Q, uh, on the QNAP machines or the Windows machine. We have drivers for the Windows. All right, now, do you have any new news on just a non-POE switch, a 10 gig switch? Because we're trying to get 10 gig into the network, trying to get it into the home, but it's just... The barrier to entry has been port size and cost. Yeah, so we do, uh, QNAP is also moving into the networking world. So we actually move to have a 10 gig switch that's available in a 12 port and 8 port. And the starting point is under $500, and that's for the 12 port uh, version. So under 400 for the 8 port. And those 
Those ports also have SP, SAP Plex connection and also T-based connections as well. So customer can enjoy either one, SAP Plus or T-based, so we don't have to choose between each other. Right. Now, all my readers and listeners want me to tell you, hey, they want five, maybe six or eight ports. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, to bring the price down, so... Yeah, definitely one uh, couple more. We will we'll actually have more switches coming in the roadmaps, especially in 2019 towards and middle to the end 2019. That will be more tanker switches available, and we'll try, definitely try to bring that price down uh, so we get more competitive so that even home users like you and I could have that in our homes. Right. I know you guys are real big on the direct attached storage, and that that's what differentiates QNAP. So do you have any new uh, DAS kind of options for me? Yeah, so we're actually announcing some of our first DAS. So typically QNAP don't make DAS, but we have a lot of requests of a customer wanting some type of a DAS type of storage solution. So we come up with a two-bay and also a four-bay DAS solutions. So that allows us to use USB Type-C connectivity uh, and hardware RAID as well. So you could uh, adjust the RAID system on the back of the device. So there's a couple, there's four ports, and we have instruction on how to configure the different RAID. Okay, so we're looking at some dip switches to configure the RAID. Now that's different from uh, using the operating system. Correct. And another good thing about this is also compatible with our QNAP QTS. So meaning that if you have an existing QNAP, we could use the USB to connect it as an expansion to the current QNAPs as well. Okay, so this will expand an existing unit. Correct. You also will do that for you. Okay. So I mean, network attaching. To this device, anything? Uh, yeah, so just a network attached to... Oh, the network attached, we have the HS453DX. So it's a more slimmer design, fanless, two-bay, with S- and two, SS- two M.2 SSD drives. And then we also have our new Thunderbolt as well. Uh, so if you guys are familiar with the QNAP Thunderbolts, uh, it's a basically a DAS, NAS solution. By DAS, we could directly connect to the computer via Thunderbolt and... And at the same time, it's also on the network. Right. And yeah, and that's the one I was thinking of where you could DAS and attach to it over the network. But I mean, that's, that's a big box. It's always been out of my price range. So I really like that two bay you got sitting over there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You got a four bay. Yeah. So on the new Thunderbolt, because we, we hear feedbacks from our customers, uh, they definitely want something more, relatively more expensive. So on the 72 XT, we have it available in four bay, six bay, and eight bay uh, available. So now, previously, we had just one big 12-bay uh, storage solutions. So now we have a lot of wide range of selection to choose. Yeah, that's going to take care of a lot of folks right there. Yeah. So that direct attach comes with a nice GUI to kind of manage it in, in some way? Correct. So it's a relatively easy management tool, so you can see the health of your system and what rate level that you're on uh, for, for, for the storage. Yeah, and uh, looking at it here, guys, in the QNAP booth at CES, it's really good looking. And I think this 4-bay is going to be uh, kind of the sweet spot. So how much is this going to cost me, James? On a 4-bay, it's starting price at $199. A buck ninety-nine for a 4-bay? For a 4-bay, dash storage. Yeah. Okay, so I hate to even ask, how much is that 2-bay? Actually, we don't have the pricing yet, oh, so I'm, okay. I'm assuming... I stumped him, yay! Yeah. Yeah, so that price is not available yet, but of course, it should be a lot less than one ninety nine. Right now, I know you guys have been talking with Seagate lately. Uh, how big a drives can I put in this four bay? Uh, Seagate had the biggest drive right now is fourteen terabyte. So essentially, you could put up to fourteen terabyte per bay. 
That's a lot of storage. A lot of direct attached storage. So I'm standing here. I've got to ask about this name. It's a Q-la-la. What is this, James? So this is our storage solution for your mobile devices, especially with Apple. Uh, so you could directly connect with your iPad or your iPhone uh, to the device. And from there, you could move your data around, whether you want to offload your data from your mobile device to the storage and or you want to move the storage into the iPad. And you could do it relatively in a fast fashion through the Apple ports. And at the same time, once you offload it, there's also a USB Type-C. So you also act as a regular external hard drive where you could connect it to your PC or your Mac through USB Type-C and onload and offload to your uh, workstations. So is this, are, are you selling me the hard drive or is this kind of a BYO, bring your own? Uh, it's a BYO. <laughs> okay, no, I, people like that, you know, because yeah. we've got SSDs kind of hanging around so we can use that. What are, um, what are my uh, purchase options with this? So this supports two and a half inch SATA drives. So you could put regular, uh, regular hard drives or you could put SSD drives. So you have that option of either both. Okay, is this the, in the retail market now? Uh, it's not in the retail market now, but it will be available pretty shortly. I say about about two three weeks, and we have to list the MSRP at eighty nine ninety nine. Eighty nine ninety nine. That's awesome. So this is a good looking uh, device. I'll get some pictures of it, and you'll be able to see that in the reset forums. All right, we're here talking with Wise, and so you guys kind of came on strong recently with your cameras, but. You got a new product that I'd love to talk about. Talk about, and it's the Max Drive. And I'm actually talking with Max. Max, how are you doing? Great, I'm doing great. So tell me about tell me about this Max Drive you guys are coming out with. So this is going to be our solution for an integrated uh, NAS system. Um, we're not going to be restricting our NAS system specifically to this one, but it will be the one that we're going to do more in-app integrations with. So we'll have a greater level of support for it. Okay, so when we're talking about Max Drive, we're talking about a, a very kind of a larger cylinder, about as big as as a three and a half inch drive. And is this bring your own drive, or are you guys going to be providing one? Uh, this is going to be bring your own drive to stick with our pricing strategy for our cameras. We didn't want to make a presumption on what size drive our users wanted, uh, so it accepts three point five inch, uh, the two point five inch, or hard disk or solid state drives. Uh, the only thing that doesn't fit into it is M.2, um, and it can support up to a 12 terabyte hard drive. Okay, so tell me about the ports because it almost is looking like like a dock. Uh, yeah, the hard drive mounts through SATA 3.0, and then it has a, a gigabit uh, Ethernet port on the back to connect up to your router. Um, it is not Wi-Fi enabled. Uh, that's going to be for performance and security. Okay, so gigabit. So we're talking over the network and not direct attached? Correct. Awesome. So are we going to live in the same app that the Wise cameras do? Um, Eventually. uh, We are working on integrating so that you'll be able to view the footage from your cameras directly through the Wise app. Uh, The Max Drive is also a normal personal cloud. uh, So you can back up your personal pictures, documents, movies, all of that. Um, that, however, will be accessed through the Max Drive app. Okay, so there will be a Max Drive app, and that'll do kind of camera uploads, and I'll be able to look at all my photos that are at home on my Max Drive? Correct, yep. Awesome. Am I missing anything? This seems too simple. What are you, what are you guys going to price it as? Um, we don't have a solid price point yet. 
Um, we're hoping to keep it under $100. Uh, we'll have more information on that in the near future. Okay. And tell me maybe, how are you treating the hard drive? Is this something I'm going to be able to pull out of the max drive and throw into a computer and be able to read it? Or is it going to be proprietary in some sense? Uh, it uses a Linux-based filing system, so most computers won't be able to read it. Um, we're also going to have internal security on it so that the drive will remain secure. That way, if anybody takes the drive for whatever reason, they won't be able to access your data. Okay. I think that's a, that's a good answer for a lot of my listeners right there. So we're talking about price, and it's hard not to talk about the price of the WiseCam. Where did you guys come from with this camera? Um, our C- CEO, Yuen, has a, a firm belief that we shouldn't charge more than we need to. So we make a great product at as low as price as we can. And then instead of adding a big markup for marketing or fancy packaging or anything like that, we keep it simple and just give the core product as much attention as we can. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it got down, or maybe even still is, to about 1999. Uh, that's correct. Off of our website, it's 1999, and then on Amazon, they have the uh, it's 25.99, I believe, on Amazon. Yeah, we're paying for Prime right there, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> so you have a you have a version two of the Wise Cam, but you also have a different camera, and it's got some special features in it too. Yes, that would be the Wise Cam Pan. Um, The big difference between that one is that it's controllable, so you can pan, tilt, and zoom it. Um, This one offers uh, 360-degree coverage, and uh, if you're starting off at one endpoint and moving around, you can see the full 360 degrees within about three seconds. Uh, It moves at about 120 degrees a second. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty neat. And it has all the same features. I can record the SD card on that as well. Yes, in terms of the core features, it has everything that the V2, uh, the WiseCam V2 does. Uh, but additionally, it has two features called pan scan, which is uh, say you had it set up in a living room and you wanted to watch a door and a window, but they weren't in the same shot. You can set up both of those as waypoints and the camera will pan back and forth between the two spots. Um, that can go up to four separate waypoints. Uh, so you can uh, position those wherever you want so that you're watching the areas. Um, and then you also have motion tag, uh, tracking. Um, so uh, that will uh, attempt, it will follow movement uh, that the camera catches. Uh, that can be used in conjunction with pan scan so that if it's moving around and it catches movement, it will stop scanning, follow the motion until it loses track of it, and then a few seconds later return back to its scanning. That's a neat feature. So kind of patrolling a couple of points and then following around. How does it how does it do between humans and maybe pets or are, have there been any issues there? Uh, right now, all of our motion detection is based off of a pixel comparison algorithm. Uh, so we can't differentiate between light changes or uh, humans or animals moving around. Um, we are exploring uh, AI options uh, to kind of augment that. Unfortunately, right now, I don't have very many details on that. So, Well, that's fine. You know, we can, we can live with a, a couple of false positives as long, as long as that price is where you got it. That's a good price. Definitely. Now, I know there's, there's another group of uh, users out there that are trying to attach these things not to the app. What do you guys think about people taking your hardware and kind of maybe making some modifications of it? Uh, we definitely like to see what the community does with their cameras. 
uh, we are getting ready to also implement RTSP uh, to allow people to use different viewers. Um, but uh, we, all, we have uh, a spot on our forum specific, specifically for user-created content and some of the fun things they do with them. Uh, we've seen a few people even go so far as to print out specialty mounts or even specialty cases for the devices and swap the components into those uh, 3D printed cases. That's pretty cool. What's the URL there? We'll go check it out. Uh, that's going to be on wisecam.com. All right. Well, I'm here with Wisecam at CES 2019. It's Max. We're talking about the Max Drive and a couple of flavors of Wisecam. Thanks, Max. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. That's it. That wasn't so bad, was it? No, that was cool. I had a good time at CES. And um, if you want to talk about any of this stuff or comment about it, please do so. Meet me over at ResetForums.com. We can discuss any of this and uh, answer your questions. Hey, I can get questions to these guys if you if I didn't answer anything for you. So that would be cool. So let me know what you think. Also, YouTube.com slash David McCabe. Check that out. I've got a lot of cool videos out there. I did things differently at CES. I didn't just shove microphones into people's faces. Uh, I always try to have a little fun. So there's a couple of videos out there. Please go subscribe to that channel. Give them all thumbs ups and uh, thumbs ups, and that will help me out quite a bit. That's been 57. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks, guys. This has been Reset. It can be found at reset.fm or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash David McCabe. Follow on Twitter at McCabe.io, and you can discuss this episode and more on Reset Forums, resetforums.com. Intro and outro music is by Daryl Lee. Find it at soundcloud.com, Daryl Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E, music. Support of this podcast can be done at Patreon, patreon.com slash David McCabe. There's also some shopping links at resetforums.com if you want to use those. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week on Reset.